Picture this, you're sitting down to watch a live poetry performance. The first poet takes the stage, and as they begin to read, they're accompanied by a live jazz band. If this sounds intriguing, well, you're in luck. International Jazz Poetry Month returns to Pittsburgh on May 2nd. The festival features more than 50 artists, including local jazz icons and poets from Algeria, Cuba, Sudan, and Ukraine. Tickets to watch online or in person at City of Asylum's home on the north side are free. Get yours at cityofasylum.org before they're gone. Today on CityCast Pittsburgh, south of Shenley Park and just across the river from Page's Dairy Mart, there is a blank plot of land, currently known as Hazelwood Green, that the city, its foundations, and developers have been dreaming about for a long time. It used to be a center of industry, one of dozens of steelmaking centers along our waterways, but what it should become next, well, that is still very much up for debate. It's Monday, September 18th. I'm Megan Harris, and here's what Pittsburgh is talking about. I'm here with some friends of the pod from Public Source, the awesome investigative reporting outlet based in Uptown. Emma Foltz, you cover higher education. Welcome back. Thank you so much for having me. And Eric Jenkowitz, you're focused on economic development. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having us. We're very glad you're here. So we've been hearing for years about this plan to develop this big, grassy swath of land. For a long time, it was a brownfield, so like pretty tainted with the pollution from its industrial past. And it's gone by a bunch of names, most recently Almano and now Hazelwood Green, um, but also now Bio Valley. Can you kind of explain what's happening right now? Yeah, absolutely. So the University of Pittsburgh is planning to build what they're calling a biomanufacturing facility on that Hazelwood Green site. And I'm not a scientist, so I don't know (laughs) all that much about what biomanufacturing entails necessarily, but it is a emerging industry nationwide that they're hoping to localize right here in Pittsburgh. And, you know, they explicitly have referenced the Hazelwood Green site steel mill past in their sort of marketing materials about this site, saying that they want to turn Steel Valley into Bio Valley. So they're hoping that it's going to be a new prosperous industry right here in Hazelwood Green. And then CMU, on the other hand, they have some plans to build a robotics Robotics innovation center. center, exactly, on the site. CMU already has something on that site. Is it the Manufacturing Futures Institute? Am I getting that right? Yep, that's exactly it. That's in Mill 19, right, Emma? Yep, yep. So Mill 19 is just, I think, a renovated shell of a steel mill that they have some new high-tech tenants in there, and CMU is one of them. Yeah, and uh, the Robotics Center, it it seems like it's it's pretty... uh, approved by city planning commission so that's that's kind of in the bag for them and and then on the university of pittsburgh side they're they previewed it at the last uh city planning commission meeting on september 5th the commissioners didn't seem to have any issues with it so in my experience that usually means that it will pave the way for getting approval in in the next next uh time it's up yeah, if they don't ask a lot of questions, that's usually a sign it's it's steamrolling ahead, as they say. Um, yeah. 
I know this land has been vacant for a really long time and the neighborhood around it is really beautiful, but there's not a lot of reasons to visit it these days if you don't live there or know someone who does. Can either of y'all talk about maybe what Hazelwood felt like back in its heyday? Sure. So the Jones and Laughlin steel mill operated on that Hazelwood Green site for, I want to say, about a century. And, you know, they changed hands at the end of its life, but ultimately the plant closed in the 1990s with the collapse of the steel mill. And when the steel industry was really prosperous in Hazelwood, um, it was a great employer and resource in the community. I believe in the early 1960s about one in four employees of the company lived in the neighborhood. Um, and so when that industry went away, those jobs left the community. And in the decades since the 1990s, we've seen the neighborhood sort of wither over time, you know, losing mm-hmm. job opportunities population. that are local population. Um, what does the population look like these days? Roughly 4,000 um, as of the 2020 census. Compared to? In its peak of the of 1960, um, or I don't know if it's actually the peak, but roughly 13,000 in 1960. Which was about the peak of the Pittsburgh population generally. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, that had to do a lot with the steel industry. And then, okay, so the 80s come, the mills all over town closed down. And then with this Hazelwood Green site, you've got a brownfield. Lots of people have proposed different ways to use it over the years. As recently as five, 10 years ago, they were talking a ton about brownfield rehabilitation, which is why I've been quietly giggling at the name Hazelwood Green. It's as if by changing the color, they think that we can just get away from what it actually is, a brownfield. Hazelwood Brown. Yeah, <laughs> Right. (laughs) But yeah, there have always been a ton of ideas for how to use the space over the years. Of course, there's always developers involved. I think my favorite one was during the early Almano days. They wanted to build a spinning restaurant that they said would look like it was floating over the Monongahela. Wow. (laughs) Which is just like such a great example of like who gets to do this, though. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So now the universities have these big visions for the site. Tell me a little bit more about what exactly they want to do. Yeah, so CMU they they want to they want to create this this kind of it's like a, a fifteen thousand square foot three story metal building that they want to build there, um, and it would have like a an outdoor lab space that basically the way it, it sounded um, is is like a kind of a robotics playground, which is like a place where where students from the main campus can go there. Um, and focus specifically on on kind of like actually testing the the robotics that they they come up with and, and kind of you know stress test it in an outdoor space um, and then there's the indoor space which would be kind of focused on robotics research and then the bioforge project is specifically focusing on cell and gene therapy um, but you know the broader Hazelwood Green site, the foundations do have plans for it more broadly. Um, they envision the site including, I think, about 3,500 mixed-income residential units and uh, acres of recreational space, and obviously a lot of office space, retail space. Um, that's all in the preliminary plan. So the universities have their sites on those two specific projects, but I think the foundations overall envision it being sort of a work live play kind of combination aren't they always yes exactly (laughs) yeah and they they both emphasize sort of like 
kind of they p- posit themselves or position themselves as as continuing the legacy of of that area and the, the region overall of like making things and and kind of um harkening back to to a time where where things were produced in this area and they're they're sort of selling themselves as like you know steel valley 2.0 or you know bio valley as you mentioned before um so it's just interesting how they they try and connect it to the past and sort of say you know we're we're the next iteration we're we're a, a sort of a way for for the the city in that particular neighborhood to to revitalize um but then the question becomes who is it being revitalized for and what level of of participation and cooperation is is, is the the surrounding neighborhood going to be involved Do you like to dance, look at beautiful art, eat gourmet snacks, people watch? Well, mark your calendars for Friday, June 7th for one of my favorite parties in Pittsburgh. It's Mattress Factory's 25th Garden Party. The theme this year is make-believe, and it's all to celebrate and support the creatives in our community. There's going to be live music, an open bar, an art auction, and probably my favorite, the costume contest. Trust me, I will be judging yins and so will everyone else there be playful be imaginative explore your magical realm because this is a theme party you want to come dressed to impress you must be 21 and up to attend and rest assured every dollar raised goes directly towards supporting the museum its art its education and all of its community outreach initiatives get your tickets now to the 25th mattress factory garden party they are in our show notes and online at mattress.org. Emma, I'm really glad you brought up kind of the marketing materials, the messaging that's happening with all of this. Obviously, the universities are very excited, but how are Hazelwood residents feeling about some of these plans? Because I know there have been big fears in the past about gentrification, like in East Liberty, Mm -hmm. and then in Homestead, the way that that community was literally cut in half along the train tracks, like millions poured onto one side where the river is and a far, far less on the other side where most people live, which geographically is really very similar to Hazelwood Green. How are neighbors feeling this time around? Homestead is a great example. I had one resident mentioned that specifically to me that there are concerns that sort of the division between Hazelwood, the neighborhood, and Hazelwood Green, the site, will echo what's being seen in, in Homestead as well. So I think gentrification concerns are very prominent. Um, there's sort of a division that we noticed, I think, within the community groups that we spoke with. Um, you have folks like um, the Hazelwood Initiative, which is the local neighborhood organization that is working with Pitt and collaborating with them on specifically community engagement efforts in the neighborhood. Um, but then you have groups such as um, Poor Law, um, who, which is led by um, Sandra Cole McCammy and uh, Pastor Lucia Love, who are both long-term residents in the neighborhood, um, that had more of a critical perspective on Hazelwood development as a whole, but as it also relates to those development projects in the sense that, you know, they they believe that developers have often come into the community and proposed projects that are not necessarily in the neighborhood's best interests. Um, Hazelwood for years has lacked a full service grocery store that 
Poor Law actually got some approval to build sort of a co-op version of that. Um, and that has been something that the community has really pushed for, has come up a lot as sort of a deficit in the neighborhood. Yeah, because the nearest thing is Giant Eagle, which is like yes. a mile plus away. Although I saw they got a Le Gourmandine, which, I mean, I love their pastry, but it seems like a weird fit for the neighborhood when you yeah. can't pick up milk and bread. Right, especially that it's taking the place of, of what was a former grocery store. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then you have people like Terry Shields, uh, founder of Jada House International, um, which uh, caters to, to, I think, specifically teenage women, but all, yep. all at-risk teens as well. And she, she has sort of a, a realistic kind of between those two groups that Emma laid out that this is going to come. We might as well try and get ours if we can and make as many demands of them as we can. Mm-hmm. But also, to be fair, you know, some people did see the promise of the site. And Absolutely. Either residents or elected officials. I spoke with City Councilor Barb Warwick for this piece, and, and her perspective was that this has great potential for infusing jobs and providing some, for some prosperity in the neighborhood as long as the developers are really intentional about looping in residents and making sure that they have access to them. And when I did some door knocking, I did speak to some younger residents, actually, um, an 18-year-old and a 20-year-old as well, who um, did not know all that much about the Hazelwood Green site, but heard robotics and thought that that was interesting or did that just saw the site as a way to revitalize their their neighborhood. So it's not all, you know, negativity as well or, or a sense that it's not something the neighborhood needs. Um, but I think people who have been really attuned to development in the neighborhood and have, you know, seen Hazelwood change over the decades really feel like they, the universities and the developers need to be really cognizant about how they're engaging with the community in, in this. A lot of the people I spoke with, they they didn't know what was going on mm-hmm. there, and and they were just so caught up in their daily lives of trying to just like make ends meet that they didn't even really have time um, to to engage, uh, even if they wanted to or knew about it. Most of them didn't know about it that I spoke to, which is totally anecdotal, but um, that was just my experience. Exactly. So what are Pitt and CMU doing, or what are they saying that they'll do um, to try to address some of these fears? I, I will say that Pitt in particular has outlined a pretty extensive community engagement process. They have a whole webpage dedicated to their efforts in Hazelwood. And when I spoke with administrators, they said that they have met 30 times with the community since July of 2022, and this was in early August, so about 30 times in a, in a year, and are looking for opportunities to connect youth with STEM education opportunities, seeing that as a pathway to create job opportunities on this biomanufacturing site, potentially. They're also looking at employment opportunities currently for residents. Yeah, because they say there's going to come a lot of job growth with this, um, yes. some part-time construction mm-hmm. jobs um, or temporary, but also some longer-term ones that I've heard they say are going to be available for community college graduates in the neighborhood. I'm always skeptical of that when they say stuff like that. Well, I mean, even if if they were totally genuine and, and were willing to do that, I, I think it was Terry Shields, Emma, who, who pointed out to us that that a lot of a lot of the the people that live there aren't even at a level where they're they have a community college degree or or even a high school degree. So it's it's kind of like I think she was wondering if even if they are going to be true to that promise, 
like how would they actually get there because the area has been so disinvested that you, you even to bring them to a baseline of being able to like get training to work at these high tech facilities, you need to like put in a bunch of effort on that that front end. Well, and even just basics, you know, like recruiting for that sort of thing. Like I think with Pitt and CMU specifically, so often, you know, they have this established practice of posting their jobs, their positions online, which is fine for white collar work. I think most people are used to that. But unless they're like intentionally advertising within the community that we want you to work here in a way that people are actually going to see it, I can imagine that folks would maybe miss the chance just because they don't know that that's available to them, that this is where you go for that kind of thing. Yeah. And a lot of people don't know what biomanufacturing entails. So you see this opportunity and you might have a lot of yeah. questions or just not know that it's something that would you would be even able to be a part of or be qualified to do. Um, and that was something that I think Pitt is trying to tackle is to like inform the residents about what exactly they're planning on doing and what does it mean to be doing biomanufacturing work um, in this area. But that I think is another issue. Um, yeah. But Pitt has created three specific committees, Some, of, most of which I believe have representation from community orgs to tackle this kind of community engagement issue. CMU, on the other hand, does not seem to have a super public facing by means like I don't believe they have a web page for all of their community engagement efforts, but they said that they have had meetings with residents and they plan to offer like a workshop on technology training for senior citizens, for example, and have partnered um, for some STEM programming for, for youth as well. So they say that they're engaging with the community, but Pitt has really come out with a specific process and timeline for that that work. Yeah. Well, is it any of it working? Is it helping? Are people feeling better? I, you know, I think some organizations really value the work that if they are like, the Hazelwood Initiative, Sonia Talman, who's the executive director, she spoke positively about her efforts to engage with both Pitt and CMU. So I think some organizations feel like they are having a seat at the table and are engaging with the universities. Um, but I think, you know, other residents said they didn't know much about what was happening on the site. And that included um, the folks at Poor Law who are established community voices who have been involved in development. So I think it's still kind of a toss up. Yeah. So what happens next, um, you know, from groundbreakings potentially to just continuing these conversations with residents? Well, groundbreaking is expected as, as early as this fall um, with potential housing going in next year as well. And yeah, the, the other one is the City Planning Commission approving the bio forage facility. Yeah, and then it's, it's green light all the way. Yeah, and both projects, the PIT project is expected to be completed in 2027, and the CMU Robotics is in 2025, I believe. So in the next couple of years, I think the Hazelwood Green site is going to really change a lot. Emma Foltz and Eric Jankowitz are reporters for Public Source. Thank you both so much. Thank you so much. Thanks, Megan. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. We hope that you'll visit our new website. We got a new one. It's sparkly. It's fresh. It's got everything, our entire podcast backlog, everything we publish in our Hey Pittsburgh newsletter. You should always subscribe, of course. But if there's ever anything you miss and you want to go back and check it out, it's all there. It's pittsburgh.citycast.fm. 
If you're liking the show, please leave us a nice review, a nice rating. We always look at them and we appreciate them. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Talk to you soon. It's called Hazelwood Green now, and, and it seems like like that's always like a first indication that, that a neighborhood is changing in some way and, and who got to name it is is interesting as far as like ownership and a sense of, of who it belongs to.